You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hello everyone, this is Luke Hector on the 20th of November 2021 for another podcast episode. Yes, I'm recording this slightly earlier than before. I'll still air it on Sunday, but I've just literally got back from a convention called MerryCon, and I figured, you know what, I've got a couple of hours to kill before bed. I figured I would just get it done and dusted now so that I could get tomorrow free, because let's face it, GridCon is next week, and I need to not only prepare for work Monday and Tuesday and that, but I need to figure out what games I'm taking. I need to book some time slots for certain games i need to you know make certain my hotel sorted i need to learn uh how to play arc nova and weather machine before i go there i also need to know how to play well sorry i know i need to create a deck for arkham horror lcg to play the multiplayer blobby wave everything game and i still need to create the deck Oy, 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 I got a lot to uh, do. So I figured just to kill time, it was easier to record the podcast tonight. And I figured that would do it all right. So what have I been doing? Well, I mean, health-wise, pretty good. Work is stressing me out like crazy, but that's just normal. But blog-wise, not too bad. I've had an attack from a few trolls lately, I think, on some of the comments. But, uh, you know, not not too bad. You know, there was a little bit of a a few more lately than there should be but as i say you know <laughs> you can't please everybody it seems you know opinions they're dangerous to some people but otherwise not pretty good i mean the blog has i'll certainly say you know as a big milestone past 15,000 subscribers which was a big you know big deal for me to get to a 15,000 mark Onward to 20,000, I think. But thank you to everybody who supports this show, who watches it, who gives me nice comments, who says hi to me at conventions, you know, who basically gives me the confidence to actually keep this going. Because it's, uh, like I say, with a day job as a tax accountant, it's a slog. But, you know, the blog wouldn't be possible without all of you, including the loyal Patreons as well. If you want to support the channel a bit further, then by all means, check out patreon.com and search for The Broken Meeple, and you'll find out more details there. But, yeah. 15,040 subscribers as I record this podcast. So let's march on to 20,000, shall we? God blimey, can I think I'd ever get that high? I didn't even think I'd get to 15,000. Granted, it's taken me about three times longer than some of the trending channels to get to this level. But like I say, opinionated. <laughs> it's, it's dangerous to people. Therefore, it takes a while to build this stuff up. But yeah, well, otherwise, what have I been doing? Well, I've just been to a convention called Mary. Actually, should I? Yeah, I'll do that first. I'll cover the next bit in the news. But I was at a place called MerryCon, and this is nothing major. It's a small convention, very small, uh, like one day, literally just this morning until this evening. And it's, you know, it's just run by basically Neil and Abby, a couple of, you know, a couple of people I know from various clubs and that. Very nice people, a little family thing, and they just basically hired out a village hall and invite people for games. Basic tables, free tea and coffee, you know, cheap entry, and you just have fun you know and they bring his library along which is to be fair a pretty diverse collection of board games i will say but i've just basically been there with a couple of friends from southampton so if you know farnham if you're anywhere near farnham farnham in the uk then you know you'll know more about that it's close to guildford way and yeah you know i had a good 
bit of fun, you know, just basically me and two other mates I knew from the Southampton group, we played, well, what did we play? We played Terraforming Mars, which, yeah, I know, you're probably thinking, Luke, Terraforming Mars? <laughs> you normally hate that game. Now, I do not hate Terraforming Mars, okay? I find it average. <laughs> you know, I find it average. You know, look, 5 out of 10, I think it's average. You know, granted, I used to hate it. Now, I've kind of warmed up to it a bit. But it is based on the fact that I think Prelude is like one of the best expansions that was ever made for a game. And there was three of us, we'd Prelude. Yes, they threw in Venus and Colonies anyway, but like I say, Venus makes no difference to the game. It's a redundant expansion by this point. And Colonies, I would have rather have not played with Colonies because Colonies basically offsets the reduction in playtime that Prelude has. But these two knew how to play the game. They play it nearly every Monday, and I figured, why not? I know what I'm doing. So I just went straight into it, and that was fine. But yeah, we had a bit of fun with this one. I played a corporation called Lakefront, I believe, which basically was very good with oceans. And in my first hand, I got a card that let me put out oceans for cheap. So I basically spammed the board with a ton of oceans and ended up creating basically a giant seaside resort. It was pretty good fun. Unfortunately, I was pipped at the post at the very end because unfortunately what I was doing, which involved getting a lot of points for what was on the map and what was happening during the game and terraform rating, didn't make up for the fact that none of the milestones and awards had anything to do with what I was doing. So I didn't claim any of them. But I did very well with cities being next to a bunch of trees. I was only lost by a couple of points though. So for someone who didn't get any milestones or any awards to lose by only two points, I thought it was pretty good going. But yeah, it, it still took too long for what I thought it would like to do. But I had fun. It was good. And you know, it, like I say, Terraforming Nars is not a horrible game for me, people. It's just I have to play it with a certain group really as they must have prelude and we go even more further with prelude i mean it's not just like what the rule book says they we basically have four prelude cards as normal but we get to choose one out of five corporations so we really get to see all the different corps and it was about high time i played somebody who wasn't from the base game but yeah like i say good fun and also we capped it three players that's the thing. Three players max for this game, and it will be reasonably enjoyable. I'd just probably rather play it on um, online or something just to cut out some of the admin. Uh, we also played Glass Road. Uh, yes, this is... I don't want to give away too much here, but this is one that... Uh, now, ignore this rating of a 6, okay? This 6 rating is what I gave the game back in 2014 in June, when I first really played the game. That's a long time ago. This was like when I first started maybe like a year or two into board gaming like majorly blogging and stuff that's what I gave it all that time ago I have the reprint and I'm playing it now more detail more player counts and I'm giving it its fair shot and not to give away too much but suffice to say I'm enjoying it more than I did before it definitely has a different experience at different player counts and I have played it through solo so you will be getting a review for this quite soon because I did a poll for games I had recently what people wanted to know about and people really wanted to know about Seven Wonders Architects so I did that one first mobile markets well I needed to catch up some Arcane Wonders stuff so I did that but people really want to know about Glass Road so I will be doing that and then afterwards probably Cascadia and not that many people were interested in the loop but like I say the loop will be coming soon to be honest I've got a lot of games ready for review at the moment I just need time to record them and that's not helped by the fact that I got GridCon this week. So I'm tomorrow, Monday, going to have to try and crank out as much recording time as possible to get them recorded and hopefully edit a couple of reviews so that I can issue them during GridCon. I'll do my best, no promises, but hopefully you can give me a break if need be.
But yeah, we played Glass Road, and this is an Uri Rosenberg game. If you don't know what Glass Road is from a while back, this is an Uri Rosenberg game where you well, let me guess, you're farming, in a sense. You're building up your, like, forests and mines and ponds and that, and you're using them to get resources, which are measured out on this really cool sort of clever rondelle wheel thing, whereby as you level up the different resources, it automatically generates glass and bricks. You use these to get buildings and get victory points. And not that many victory points. I mean, scores tend to be somewhere between 15 to 25 you every point counts in this game but the cool thing with this is well cool ish i'll talk about this more in a review but the card system where you have to play a certain number of cards in a round and if you manage to play it and no one else does you get both actions and if you play it when someone else also has it you only get one that's the very basic version of how the rules work there's a bit more to it than that but that frustrated me a lot a long time ago when I played this game. Like, oh my god, I can't get to do anything because it always duplicates somebody. It does taper quite a bit when you go from three to four players. And I think that's something I'm going to have to reflect in the review. There's definitely a drop when it gets to the latter player count. But I enjoyed this at three players. And I think it's even better with two and solo. So, like I say, there is hope for this game yet. But I had a good time with them. I was teaching two new players and it took them a while to get used to the system. But we had fun. And I won with a giant food factory. And then what else did we play? We played Agricola. And again, you're thinking, Luke, you hate Agricola. But, well, I don't hate it. I think it's average, above average even. You know, it's 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 a theme I like. And I just, I just think Caverna and Fields of Isle completely destroyed this game for me. But here's the thing. We're playing this with Farmers of the Moor. This is an expansion for the game that basically means you now have to heat your home. Gives you a couple of sort of bonus actions that you can do during the game. Uh, gives you horses, a few extra cars and stuff like that so it doesn't really change up like what you're doing in the game that much it just gives you a couple more options and means that you've got more to worry about I guess you know heating your home as well but the cool thing with this people have been telling me for ages this improves the game Luke try it with farmers and the more it makes a difference and I gotta say it does. You start off with some forests and some peat moors and stuff, and you can basically, like, chop those down to get some wood or to get some uh, fuel to use for heating your home. But there's also ways to kind of get food a little bit with it as well. There's another animal or the horse that isn't capped for points, and as it felt like... It made things slightly easier to get stuff done. Like, it almost makes the game less punishing overall, even though it's still restrictive. Now, it definitely went on too long for what it was, even with three of us. Like I say, I'm by the end, I'm like, okay, seriously, I'm using the guy to just grab a random vegetable. Can we just, like, finish this now? And certainly, it's a bit of a mission before the game even starts to draft from 10 occupations and 10 you know, minor, minor improvements. You know, it's just, the game is too long for what it is. But I still enjoyed it overall. You know, I almost won. I think I was only three points off winning. And I only basically had a tiny bit of everything on my map. But I was able to renovate very quickly. I had a very good set of occupations. And I was able to buy a lot of bonus point scoring cards. Which made up for the fact that I wasn't scoring a ton for what was on my board. But, you know, just you know, adding a few extra cards. Adding horses. Adding fuel for, you know, getting very, you know fueling your home which i ended up using on a peat boat to get me various resources you know that's uh interesting i've got a picture here with these like little candy looking uh animals here which is like you know, jumbo size animals sheep cows and that that looks really cool but yeah 
the game was fine. I just think Caverna is a better version of Agricola, personally. That's why I much prefer Caverna, but this is still fine, and I give it props. It's just a bit restrictive for my liking. Fields of R still beats out Caverna, though. You know, I love, love Fields of R. You only have to check out my top 100 to know more about that. So what else have I played? Uh, as I say, I'm going to spend more time on what I've played because I don't have much in the way of news. But I also have played Diamonds. So I've been taking a while to get to this. I found it at Essen when I bought Ares Expedition. And you know my thoughts on Ares Expedition. But yeah, 7 out of 10 I've given Diamonds so far. I want to play it some more. But I was actually quite impressed with this. You know, it only cost me 10 euro. And that's a pretty good bargain, actually. 10 euro for a game, especially at Essen. Second edition of Diamonds as well. But this is a very standard trick-taking game. You're trying to collect diamonds, actual diamonds, and they're worth points based on whether they're in your showroom or your vault, basically behind a hidden screen. And you play it very much like a standard trick-taking game. You have cards from 1 to 15 in the four different suits, so no king-queen nonsense. And you basically play a standard trick-taking game where you highest you know, person plays a card, follow the suit, highest wins the suit. But there's a little twist. Each of the suits has an action associated with it. Whoever wins the trick gets to do the action based on the suit that won the trick. And then if you win no tricks, you get to perform the best of the actions, the diamond one, twice. Which I was actually able to do once in the last game I played. It was quite impressive. But also, the when you get to the end of the round, you look at how many cards everybody has won... And if they have the most of a particular suit, they get to do the action of that suit as well. So it's this little extra bit of meat added on to a standard trick-taking game. And I found it quite fun. Maybe it's a little long for a trick-taking game. It definitely takes a bit longer to get through. I'd probably cap this at four players. I think uh, any higher is probably... What, does it go up to six? I think it goes up to five or six. Yeah, this isn't a game I would want to play with six players really it says best four to five i think four is good five might just take it a little bit long but yeah i was impressed with this you know the components are pretty good you've got you know chris you know clear red and those plastic diamonds so it looks nice it's easy rules if you know anything about trick taking uh, i think these cards look more like the first edition that the second edition looks a bit nicer but yeah the actions are very straightforward i mean the heart puts a diamond into your showroom the diamond puts it straight into your vault. The spade puts it from your showroom into your vault. You know, it's very simplistic stuff like that. But it just made for a very interesting twist on trick-taking. And I'm certainly getting more into trick-taking games as we go along. But yeah, for 10 euros, this was an absolute bargain for a trick-taking game. So I'm going to hang on to this one in my collection as a nice uh, kind of gateway game to teach people who have only really sort of played with a deck of cards in their lives. But yeah. I was impressed. Diamonds, preferably the second edition if you can get hold of it, but it's a solid game. Definitely worth a look if you're into that. And then finally, I want to give a little advanced heads up of Mortem. So I am not ready to review this game yet because I want to play through all three scenarios in it. But Mortem is a game from Arcane Wonders and it's basically a detective style game. So imagine what the portal detective was like. Mortem is a medieval detective. So there's no app. It's all done with cards, so but you lay out a map with the cards and you have different decks for like certain actions that you do, like search or raid or like surveillance. And the the cool thing with this, it's kind of like a cross between time stories and detective. You don't have to do loops or anything, that's nonsense. But you know, this one you're just basically playing a a kind of 
not even a murder mystery. You're playing through a story with a plot, you know, an overarching plot that borders three scenarios. The first one is kind of semi-introduction scenario, but there's still a fair bit in it for an introduction scenario. But obviously the second and the third are a bit more advanced, like they will take the longest. And I was like, hmm, okay, this sounds quite cool, but very few people knew anything about this game. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything, but... I have played only the introduction scenario, and there's actually no images for this game, so I can't really show you much apart from the cover here. But yeah, this game is a very interesting game, because in Detective, it's basically like you're using the app with the web browser, and you're doing a modern like murder mystery type thing. Here, there's a bit more going on than just a straight-up murder, but... The, the, let me tell you about a couple of mechanical twists. You choose from several characters at the start of the game and they give you tokens, much like in Detective, the tokens allow you to do different things. But rather than just simply be, oh, I can flip a card if I have this token, what you can also do with some of them is perform one of three different actions. Search, raid, and surveillance, I think, or something like that. Basically, scout. You know, scout a location. And with these characters... As well as going through the cards and flipping them over and reading the story saying I want to go to the stables and find out and talk to this person, you can do those special actions and on a time track which monitors how long you've got before the scenario ends, you place a token that shows at this particular time, say three hours from now, you are going to resolve this particular action you did. Like I want to search the ruins, I want to raid the, uh, the farmhouse and when that time comes up, Three separate decks are already pre-set up with the cards that are in this pretty sizable box. You know, it's a pretty sizable box for each scenario. And the decks correspond to those actions. So if you decided to raid the farmhouse, when the time is up, you go into the farm sorry, you go into the raid deck and you basically find the location number for where you wanted to raid nine, and it will give you the story excerpt for what happens as a result of doing that action at that location. Sometimes there's red herrings, but other times it reveals something pretty neat. And I think that's a really cool little twist. It's different from the other games, like Detective and that. So this one can stand on its own as something unique but familiar. So a unique mechanism, but with familiar storytelling and, you know, that kind of thing. And so it means that replay value is a little bit better here. Now, granted, you're going to know the plot. So certainly from the introduction scenario, I doubt you would play this through more than twice, you know, just to see what some of the other actions would do. But and even then, you would probably want to leave a bit of a gap between your first playthrough and your second playthrough so that you forget the plot. But still, I enjoyed my time with it. It took me about, what, 90 minutes, I think, to get through the first scenario solo. And that was on the basis of maybe 90 minutes to two hours, probably 90 minutes. But then that was solo and, you know, I was like getting into the story and I was trying to do a little bit of everything. But the game is solid. The next two scenarios are going to be bigger. There's a lot more cards in the second and third scenario. So I'm expecting them to take me a good two to three hours. Um, and it'll certainly take most people in groups like that. And, you know, and one other good thing is that it you can learn the game from the deck. There is no rule book in the box. No rule book at all. You literally open up the first box of cards and follow instructions. That teaches you the game. And apart from much, I don't know, for the most part, there wasn't much in the way of ambiguity. Maybe one or two minor points. But for the most part, you were able to get in it and just straight up get into it without having to read rules in advance. Kudos. That's really cool, because even Detective has a small rule book. This one, no rule book at all. You just literally set up and say, right, let's play. Brilliant. I like that system. I want to see that in more of these story games. Uh, 
A slight negative I would have though is that the box says one to six players. I can't imagine how high you would have to be to play this with more than two, frankly, because Mm, well, certainly from the introduction scenario, there's not a lot for more than two people to really do in this game apart from discuss stuff. Three and four, I don't think, would uh, you know be able to utilize the time like that, and five and six would just be completely pointless. You don't even use that many characters, so you wouldn't even have a character per person, and even then, it's mainly just for the tokens. It's not like a specific character is needed for plot purposes. So honestly, this is basically a solo and two-player game. But as I say, First impressions, very good. So I look forward to playing through the second and third scenario. I don't know when I'll get round to it though. This might be a bit of a late review, but I will be reviewing it. So you'll have to wait and see. Okie doke, right. Let's get on to quickly to a bit of news now. Uh, first off, I want to just talk uh, quickly on my channel, uh, just to mention an upcoming video collaboration I'm doing with Zatu. So yes, Zatu and I have been kind of like collaborating for a bit, and we did a discount code for a while. Now, we can't really resume the discount code because the problem is people get copying it and putting it on websites, and that didn't help at all. So we had to discontinue it. But... We are going to do collaboration videos from time to time, and the idea is, is that on probably next week, next week December, probably something like uh, Friday, no, not next week, um, GridCon, sorry, about Friday the 3rd of December is what I'm aiming for, but basically around that time, there's going to be a video top five list that I'm doing for stocking stuffers, obviously we're preparing for Christmas, and I was going to do a stocking stuffers top 10 anyway, but this gives me the opportunity to kill two birds with one stone, but you're thinking, well, okay, it's a top five list, what does it matter? Well, firstly, this is a top five list with me and Zatu game input. So some of the staff at Zatu and myself have collaborated on these five games, but I'm also going to suggest alternatives to the five that I'm going to do the list on. Again, what's the difference here? The difference is that we're doing a giveaway. I haven't done any giveaways before, at least I don't think I have, but no, we are doing giveaways and this might be a thing in the future where I'll be able to you know, you'll be able to request a game for me to review, I could maybe get it off them, and then we could do a giveaway for said game, you know, I'm trying to discuss this kind of stuff with them, but there will be a giveaway, the idea being that every single game I mentioned on the top five, as well as some extra accessories, will be doing a giveaway, and it will be worldwide, so regardless of where you live in the world, Zatu will ship it to you, so, you know, and it won't involve, like, needing to know any particular knowledge or anything, it'll be one of those standard kind of like, you know, like, comment, subscribe, and fill out a form, which is literally just your name and address, name and email address, so that they can pick you out of a hat, basically, it's just going to be like a random draw, but I will go through all the details in said video, it will be pre-recorded, it won't be live, and it will air somewhere around the end of the week, ending something like 3rd of December, Friday kind of time, and... Uh, about that time? No, wait a bit. Yeah, it will be. Well, whatever. It'll be around that time and you'll have about a week while the video's up to get your entries in and then they'll decide on the winner about like the 10th or 11th or so. But yeah, just a heads up. Keep an eye out for that top five stocking stuffers video in collaboration with zatu.co.uk. There will be a giveaway. It'll be worldwide and there's some good games on that list. So definitely worth checking that out. Okay, now the one bit of news that is going to make me go on a bit of a rant here. <sighs> Only one bit of news, and unfortunately, it seems to be taking Facebook by storm at the moment. Call me or not, uh, making a big deal about this 50th like, anniversary, uh, what, 50th Kickstarter that they're doing, and they're planning to go all out for it. And they have basically teased by way of basically bribing other reviewers, it seems like, with this giant two-foot statue, well, a miniature two-foot statue, basically, of Galactus zombie 
Yeah, they are basically teasing the fact that they are going to be doing something along the lines of Marvel Zombicide. Now, I love Marvel. I love Marvel loads. I've not really done much with the zombie saga of Marvel, apart from the What If episode, which was a good episode, but not one of the best of the series, I gotta say. But honestly, this feels like the biggest cash grab ever ever i mean for crying out loud you do not need this two-foot thing i mean they did it with like cthulhu death may die i think had a similar deal with the cthulhu statue and it's like seriously you just don't this is ridiculous really ridiculous you know miniatures going out of control but all i am seeing on on facebook and that now is pictures of quackalope and various other like well mainly quackalope actually and you know with like a little creators with this giant statue going nuts saying buy go get this game oh my god they're gonna do this they're gonna do marvel zombicide oh my god yay it, it i mean called blimey kudos to kumani or not they know their strategies well but this is such a sales tactic. You know, it's like, right, let's give the Kickstarter previewers, who basically never say anything good or bad about a game, they just basically get the hype going, and give them this giant two-foot statue, and basically, do you think any of them are going to say a bad thing about the game when you are given a two-foot statue of zombie Galactus? I don't think so. But the hype that this is generating now is ridiculous. Zombicide is not even that fun a game. It's okay, but that system is old and busted now. The original Zombicide I would not play anymore. It had some stupid rules they had to bring out a whole new edition to correct. Then Black Plague was out, and Black Plague's okay, but even that has some stupid dumb rules, like the splitting rule and various other things like that. It's okay, but again, you gotta play it with the full six players, it takes too long. You know, it just wasn't really for me. And then they've just basically recycled the whole cash cow with Invader and all that lot. So now, oh look, another Zombicide game, just using Marvel Zombies. Now, I will say, you know, as much as I have an opinion, a strong opinion, if this turns out to be amazing, like if I get a chance to try the game and I think it's amazing and it completely does something unique with the system and it doesn't just rehash it, I will be more than happy to eat my words as well as that plushy um, dice panda thing that I have or something. I'll be happy to eat that on screen if this turns out to be a game that I go, oh my God, this is amazing or something, you know. So I am more than happy to be proven wrong here. But this whole thing with these giant statues i mean could they have not just given a copy of the game and had some people preview it even prototype no it had to be done with this two-foot statue and it's just come on and interestingly i think i've heard that uh, the dice tower have a copy of this game but they weren't given the two the foot statue so mainly the kickstarter preview channels were being given this and it's like hmm so hang on the ones that don't say negative stuff about kickstarters will be given this giant statue. But Tom, who can do negative reviews, is given the is not given the statue. Hmm, that just seems like a little bit of a coincidence. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my facts aren't quite correct there. But as I say, I'm honestly, I am not hyped about this at all. I mean, Call Money are not, are not taking any more money from me with their Kickstarters because it's just minis, minis, minis. Oh, look, here's more minis. This game is too expensive. Go for it. I mean, I still regret Rising Sun. All right, I love the game. It's in my other room. But man, I shouldn't have spent as much money as I did on it. Really, I did not need to spend all that. That was the last time they ever took money off me in a Kickstarter. You know, I, I had no interest in Unk, and the merge rule is sounds like garbage from what I've researched on it. And I had no interest in Marvel United. I mean, what, a game that's practically for families and kids that cost you several hundred dollars to get the stupid amount of miniatures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now this is going to be the same. I mean, I'm predicting obscenely high pledge levels, 
big statue and minis that aren't necessary. Stretch goals are plenty. Like, you'll it'll basically be, oh, you don't get that much at the start. But look, stretch goals, stretch goals, stretch goals. Look at all, all this extra stuff they're giving us, which they've already made and already factored in. They just know it's going to generate millions of dollars and therefore they've already factored that in. It's, mm, it's, I mean, it's a, give, give credit. They know what they're doing. I can't fault their business strategy. I am an accountant. I have to do business stuff. It's solid. It's a solid strategy. I just wish it didn't work so well. <laughs> you know, but all I'm saying is, like I say, temper your expectations, people. This could be really good. And if it is, great. Let it be great. You know, Marvel is fan. Marvel's such a lovely, like, lovely? <laughs> so Marvel's such a cool series. The zombie saga of it, as I say, is intriguing. I mean, I enjoyed the What If episode on it and the new TV series that they're going to bring out, Marvel Zombies, Marvel Zombies, will obviously pique my interest. But I'm not using that alone. You can't buy me with Marvel and you certainly can't buy me with a two-foot statue. So we'll see how this pans out. But like I say, it's the hotness news at the moment, so I couldn't not talk about it, but that's just my thoughts on it. Not going to get hyped about it. I find it too much of a cash grab, but maybe it could be good. Prove me wrong. You know, by all means, try and prove me wrong. I'll gladly accept defeat if that's the case. So, uh, that's it for news. Right, let's talk briefly on the topic of the day. You know, this is a relatively shortish episode, but drink my lovely chamomile tea first. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Hmm. Right. So, topic of the day is based on something I saw on Facebook. And this one is an interesting topic because if you know me when it comes to games I like, I am very much into the idea of having, like, big, like, changes, innovation, you know, unique twists in games. So, for example, you know, I played Runestones. And I go on a lot about that. And it was like, okay, this is a deck builder. It doesn't seem too much like every other thing. But then you've got the twist of how the cards work. Where you play two cards, you do both abilities. And then when the one with the higher value goes into your um, disc... Sorry, the one with the lower value goes into your discard pile. The one with the higher value is trashed out of the game. Unique. Innovative twist. Okay, and then I go on about games like Whistle Mountain, and it's, you know, you churn engine together to get victory points. That doesn't sound too different. But the idea that the worker placements fight, it, the worker placement aspect of the board is built up by the players. So the players are building the board that you're doing the worker placement on. Your airships go in between all the scaffoldings to get resources, as well as go on the machines, which can create all sorts of combos. Again, Different little twist on a cool thing. But then we've even got stuff like The Crew. The Crew. Again, standard trick-taking game. But with... And I haven't given a rating for Mission Deep Sea. I need to play a bit more of that. But, you know, the idea of a trick-taking game, but co-op? Interesting. I mean, we have co-op games and we have trick-taking games, but the idea of mashing them together? Ah, very unique. Very different. Very innovative. And lo and behold, it's one of the most popular trick-taking games out there. Like, probably the most popular trick-taking game in recent years. A really solid game and definitely one you should consider. So, what am I getting at here? Well, basically, the conversation was that somebody asked, what do you prefer when it comes to games? New right, do you, when, when new games get released, do you want to see new ideas, innovation, different things that you've not seen before, but obviously that carries a risk of the game being bad or a higher risk of the game being bad, 
Or do you prefer to have games come out that use stuff you've seen before that you already know you enjoy? So basically it's an argument between do you want innovation or not? Now, you know me, I am hard on the previous one, so or the previous option. Full innovation, you know, because the problem is I am playing games where it's just too much of the same. And that is what I'm finding with 2021. It is too too much of the same. A lot of stuff is rehashing old ideas, and it's not like nothing is really standing out which is a problem you know i mean but there have been some good stuff imperium took a deck building concept but added some interesting uh, twists to it made it thematic for a deck builder which is pretty good going again different twist on a thing we've already seen but then for example i've also played games like boon lake here which is you know for the most part a decent game i gave it a 7 out of 10 i think on my recent review but there is no unique bone in this body. I mean, everything is rehashed from something else. Half the game is his previous design, Maracaibo. Another part is Puerto Rico. And there's a little bit of Terra Mystica in there. Nothing in this game is really that unique. So yes, I enjoy it. It's got enough to stand on its own two legs. But I play it and then I go, yeah, this is cool. But how long before I forget it and just decide, you know what? Why don't I just play some of the original ones? Or maybe like I get bored with it anyway. So... I kind of like wanted this to give me a little bit more. But then all the other games I've been playing this year, like a lot of the big heavy Euros that just seem to be repeating the same thing. Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, for example. This one is pretty much just, you know, taking Race for the Galaxy and putting the air and Terraforming Mars theme on it. Nothing really new in the game. It's just taking an aspect of Terraforming Mars, mixing it with some Race for the Galaxy, put the two together and see what happens. And what did I get? An average game. No, nothing new to sort of blow me away or anything. So I definitely support the fact that I want more innovation in games. Now, yes, there is a higher risk that these games could be worse. Like, you know, you might try two ideas and it really doesn't work well. Like, it turns out to be a really bad experience. But then at least they're trying something new. And that's what I want. I want new ideas. I want people to challenge themselves with board game design and publishers to really sort of push the envelope with stuff. You know, throw in some interesting twists to it. I just mentioned Mortem earlier. And I was like, okay, we've had this kind of detective story-based game before. But then I mentioned the idea of the search and the raid and the surveillance decks in there. That is different to what is in other games. It kind of makes it a bit more choose-your-own-adventury-like. Again, something a little different. But most of the games that I really, really love tend to take stuff that's familiar but combine them in such a way that it does feel different or just try something really completely different. I mean, for example, like... Uh, you know, Spirit Island, game I really love. Not a lot of games you could really compare Spirit Island to when you think about it. I mean, it is a, an awesome game. It is a co-op. It's one of the most thematic Euro puzzle-style games that I've ever seen because you're not rolling dice or anything in it. You are doing Euro-based mechanics of, right, okay, the invaders are going to like invade your lands and they're going to pop up explorers here based on these cards based and build towns based on where these are, build cities based on where there's towns. Your harm will act in a certain way. Combat is deterministic. You're drawing cards. You're using your spirit's abilities, you know, to deal like damage back to them. There's a lot of cool stuff you do in this game, but I have never played a more thematic Euro-style game in my life. This thing is just amazing. And it feels different. It feels truly unique to anything else that's in my collection. So when you find the same stuff all the time, I can't help but just kind of go, uh, 
you know. And when I read the Facebook thread, there was definitely a lot of feedback kind of going both ways. You know, I thought there'd be more of a skew towards, you know, innovation, I would have hoped. But now it seemed to be more kind of 50-50. There's some people who just want to get a game that's like, all right, this is new, but at least I already know I like this kind of thing, so I know I should like this game. That's fine. But then that feels a little bit like cult of the new to me. I mean, like people just going mad on the new hotness as it comes out. Why go for the new stuff when the old one does it fine? Now, sometimes a new game comes out that does replace an old one. Small Islands, for example, uh, that one replaced Carcassonne for me. The you know, the, it's a similar deal. You're building a town map, but then you've got objectives for each round. It's a communal map. You're also like trying to collect symbols now it, it feels different to a lot of other tile laying games and again it just stands out that little bit more but not to a great deal extent i mean it's not the most innovative design in the world but like i say occasionally you will get a game that just outright sort of replaces an old one that is starting to lose its edge but how many like patchwork style games have we seen you know when uri rosenberg started going mad with the polyomino stuff can you tell the difference between most of his like tile laying games patchwork to uh what was it college garden to indian summer or whatever it was and uh, uh what was the very average one oh the new york zoo or something is that you compare those games there's barely a unique twist between them all it's the same shtick even his farming games i mean i like farming games i like fields of Arlen caverna like i mentioned but noosefjord halito man this guy can't like think up something original now it's like the same shtick every time right down to feeding your people <laughs> so come on you know we know it worked before but I have Caverter and Fields of Arl. Let's see you take the farming theme and really do something different with it. Or maybe try something different. Do a game that is outside your wheelhouse. You know, and I can't remember. Did he do a... I can't help but think he did a game that wasn't to do with anything to do with animals or farming at one point. Uh, well, he's done some abstract games. I think Nova Luna was something different for him. And again, like I say, it's a different style of game. So at least I was intrigued by it. But as I look around my collection, definitely some of my favorite ones do throw in a bit more of a, shall we say, twist. I mean, comparing stuff to Cosmic Encounter, there's quite a lot of unique stuff there. But Predator, actually, you can see it on my camera here. That one, okay, economic game that's heavy. We know the deal, get the most money and win. But fashion industry? That's a theme that has never been done before, not properly. I mean, Rokoku does not count because that is a dry as bones euro. But this one is a very thematic heavy economic game about the fashion industry. Nothing's done that before. Again, a different theme. Thematic, unique, gets my attention. And it could have bombed. It, you know, I mean, it's not the most popular game Portal I've ever put out, but to me, it resonated. For others, it might not have. It could have bombed like crazy. But at least they tried something. Like First Martians, for example, taking the concept of uh, Robinson Crusoe and throwing in a an app to assist while giving you that story-based narrative, a legacy-style experience, and keeping it quite serious. Now, I like First Martians. It is still on my shelf. It was just in my top 100, and I enjoy the game. But I do recognize it as flaws. It had problems at launch. Though most of those bugs have been sorted, but again, the rulebook was bad at launch, and there were just certain things that maybe irked a few people. Now, fair enough. Those are all legit points. The game didn't do as well as they'd hoped. It was an experiment. It was something different. I respect it for it, but I can understand why it didn't do too well, but at least they tried. They tried something different. 
But let's have a look at other stuff. Now, I'm not counting abstracts because let's face it, abstract games are kind of similar anyway. But then, well, actually on the subject of abstracts, something that really gets my goat, the whole thing of I want to see more innovative designs. How many abstract games have we seen spin-offs from? Like, oh God, let's milk this cash cow already. And not even abstracts, just general game series that just do not know when to stop. Pandemic? Now we've got a pandemic based on a random expansion of the World of Warcraft series. Seriously? Can you not put this thing to bed right now, you cash cow hungry people? And then Azul. Azul now has, well, I don't know, Flower Garden or whatever it's called now. I, I have no interest in even trying it because, frankly, the base Azul is still my favorite of the lot. All these spin-offs have always got problems associated with them. But again, it doesn't matter which one of them you pick up. It's still basically Azul. You know, it's like, right, uh, how much uh, design time do we need to think up this new Azul? Well, um, let's just copy and paste 75% of this original game and let's find a way to tweak this other 25. It's like, come on. Something different. You can't just tweak a little setting. Brass is another example. Everybody keeps like trying to defend that Brass Birmingham and Brass Lancashire are completely different games. No, they are not. They are pretty much the same game. It is the equivalent of having a Ticket to Ride map pack. You've just basically removed ports from one and changed it to beer in the other, okay? That's it. You tweaked a couple of building types. That's easy to do with an expansion. You could literally have done it in the base game and just had multiple building types and you chose which one you had in each game. It's not that different, okay? Birmingham and Lancashire are pretty much the same game. I don't like one miles more than the other. And certainly, I don't particularly like either of them, so what does it matter? But I say, Again, it just didn't feel like it was innovating brass. It's like, oh, well, let's just basically make the same game, tweak a few things, and it'll sell like hotcakes. So you know, oh, no, I want something unique. Let's try and find another unique game on my list. Uh, well, I mean, stuff like even party games. Detective Club, for example. I mean, Well, even the Dixit card mechanic is actually a pretty unique and innovative system. So, yes, that system has now been used multiple times, but in different ways. So you took the Dixit Party game, you then made it into a one-versus-all team-like co-op game. Okay, that's pretty sweet. You made Mysterium, which managed to do Cluedo with them. Okay, that's something a little bit different. And now Detective Club, one of my favorite party games, combined it with the Spyfall sort of mechanic and created a unique game in its own right. That's really, really cool. Now... Okay, you could milk that system for too much at some point, and maybe I'm probably going to be in a little bit irked, well, not irked, a little bit worried about Dixit Stellar, because, yes, I'll probably enjoy it, but is it going to be feel different enough? Maybe that doesn't have enough of a unique twist to it. You know, we'll see. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see. Uh, what have I got? Sleeping Gods Near and Farming using a Euro game combined with story-based narratives. I mean, that's something a little different, although we have seen that a little bit before. But, you know, it, it can go to themes like Coffee Roaster. Coffee Roaster, trying to make a coffee as your little puzzle with bag building. Not something you would have expected to see, but, you know, pretty good all the same. Come on, there's going to be another example there. Awkward Guests. Yeah, using the card-based system with trading information to do a Cluedo-style game. Definitely pretty unique. Already mentioned the crew. Trip taken with co-op. Very unique. Uh, um, let's see... But then you can argue that, you know, some of the stuff even I like is a rehash of old stuff. I mean, well, I don't know. Uh, well, some deck builders, I mean, there's not a huge amount of variety in some of the deck builders. But then what are some of my favorite deck builders? Valley of the Kings, which has the like the crumbling pyramid system and the idea that you only score what you take out of your deck. 
which is quite cool. Dale of Merchants. You don't discard cards. You have to refill your hand. When you buy a card, it goes straight to your hand. And you play with all these different animal things. And it's a race to get to a certain point, not victory points. Okay, different enough of a deck builder. Uh, what's the other deck builder I really like? Uh, well, I mentioned Runestones already. Again, the unique two-card system. Uh, it, it, it's just... What am I trying to get at here? I definitely want to see publishers and designers push the envelope. Go for it. Give me something different. Yes, you might crash and burn. Whatever. Still go for it. Because if it succeeds, you might just start a revolution in gaming. I mean, the crew is like a revolution in its own right. A co-op trick-taking game. Nobody would have ever considered such an idea. And look how much of a success it is. You can really hit home hard with a decent, unique idea. The problem is, playing it safe is usually a bigger guarantee of getting your money in, and they are businesses after all, so they do need to make money. It's a safer bet to rehash an old idea. I mean, let's face it, what do you think EA Games does with pretty much 99% of its entire... In fact, no, 100% of EA Games' catalogue is just rehashes of the same thing. Even Blizzard or Activision are just as bad with that sort of thing, rehashing old stuff and making them worse. You know, computer game publishers are struggling to do anything unique and different these days. But, yeah, that's just the way it is with them. You know, easy money. But I want board games to be different. I want to see new, cool, interesting ideas... I want to play them, and I want to be surprised by them. When I play a game that just sounds like, oh, this is just going to remind me of this game or more of this, then it doesn't get me anywhere near as excited, because then I'll play it and go, yeah, that was cool, it's great, or it's good, but it just can't quite reach distinction level until you give me a reason to distinguish yourself and actually be distinct from the, uh, the rest of the crowd. But when you do give me something truly different, it's definitely got a good chance to resonate with me hard and in a good way. Yes, you might crash and burn. That's the risk you take. But at least it'll be an interesting crash and burn. You know, it'll be a case of comparing, oh, your car turned around a corner and hit a curb wall. Whoopee. Most boring crash ever. Compared to, say, the crash car flip that James Bond does in Casino Royale when he flips the car about like 50 times in the space of like a few seconds or whatever. That crash is like one of the best car crashes I've ever seen on, on film. Definitely different. Definitely like, wow, we had to really go to town with this and it paid off and it's one of my favorite scenes in a James Bond movie ever. Compared to, I drove around a corridor and like my bumper hit a curb wall. The difference between the two? Excitement factor. That's kind of what it is. Anyway, I've probably raved on a bit too much on that. Like I say, I was just kind of interested in that topic. Where do you stand? I want to hear what you have to say in the comments. You know, do you think a game... You know, do you prefer it when you see the same kind of mechanics brought to your attention that you already know you like, so it's a safe bet you'll like the game? Or do you want to see something new and different and unique and, and you're not too worried about whether it's... Uh, you know, going to be hard for you. What's the reasoning for it? You know, is it a money thing? You want to be careful where you spend your money? Is it just because you're not a huge fan of change? Uh, perhaps you just like to see you know, more of the same because you know it's good. I mean, you could argue that I watch a lot of superhero movies and they're kind of more of the same formula. It's nice when they try something a little bit different, but in all honesty, most superhero movies play out the same. I really like that formula. So there are certain things that, to, you know, it's nice to see unique and interesting stuff. And other things where I'm just like, you know what, give me more of what I like. I can certainly see the argument both ways. I'd be curious to know what you have to say. 
So that's it for me for this podcast episode. I'm going to get on with, um, actually, shall I edit this now? Yeah, I'll edit it tonight and then release it tomorrow. That should give me a bit more time to do other things tomorrow, like actually record some of the proper video reviews to go on YouTube. But yeah, thank you for joining me for this episode. I'll see you soon. Uh, Two weeks time when I do another podcast episode. I'll have to think about what topic I'm doing, but there's plenty of reviews to come. We've got Cascadia, Glass Road, uh, uh, Mortem... Uh, possibly an Onitama expansion, Light and Shadow. Uh, come on, there must be more than that. I'm starting to forget which. Oh, yeah, Messina. I need to do a det- detailed review from that. Obviously, the top five stocking stuffers I mentioned before. I will get top 10 lists back up and running once I'm caught up with some of these reviews so I can just do normal top 10s. But of course, some of those will be collaboration ideas. In fact, let me know your thoughts on this. Top 10 games that murdered other games. That list has been done before by the Dice Tower. Do you reckon that would be fun for me to do with somebody? But also, what about the reverse of that? Top 5, top 10 games that weren't defeated by other games. So I can talk about a game that replaced this game for me, but then I could also talk about games that despite somebody trying to replace them, it never did, and I stuck with the older version. You know, would that be an interesting list? I'm I'm more interested about it the more I talk about it, actually. So uh, yeah, let me know your thoughts on that. But then, of course, there will be a top 10 of 2021 at some stage. But what on earth am I going to put on it? Honestly, I'm a little bit concerned about that. More so than the top 10 of 2020. Oh, well, we'll have to see if I can find 10 games. But okay, I'm sure most people have already got like 50 games of 2021 that they love. But uh, I'm not feeling it so far. We'll have to see. Anyway, that's it for me on this episode. If you like what you see, please remember to leave a thumbs up and comment on the video. It means the world to me to know you appreciate the content, and I like to engage with you on a personal level. Uh, Don't forget the Patreon campaign is running if you want to support the channel a little bit further. But until next time, you can check out my top 100 videos. You can check out the more reviews that I've done recently on games like Boon Lake, Batoku, and Golem, for examples, and even Seven Wonders Architect and Mobile Markets recently. But by all means, The main thing is that you remember it's only a game and you have fun. Take care. Bye for now. Love you all.